Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin, the premier podcast for all things banking, payments, and fintech. Here are your hosts, Mike Townsend, Brian Romley, and Faisal Khan. Okay, great. So today we have Sean Safahi on the line, and Sean is the CEO of Bold, website gobold.com. I'll let Sean explain exactly what Bold is trying to do, but first, welcome Sean to the show, and I'm glad you could join us this morning. Likewise, it's my pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, this should be fun. Uh, So, Sean, I'd love to learn a little bit about your background personally, how you guys found the idea. Uh, We were introduced through a good mutual friend who I believe joined you guys now as either full or part-time and it seems that there's a, a real interesting opportunity you guys are chasing after. So what was the, what's the story? How did you find this, and how long you guys have been working on it, and, and what are you guys up to? What's the vision? Sure. So I'll address that kind of chronologically, my personal history, and then how that leads naturally into the business. So I grew up in the payment processing space. Um, you know, as a kid, I, I started working with my dad as he worked in payment processing when I was, you know, 12 or 13. So... Growing up, accumulated a lot of experience working with the card associations like MasterCard and Visa, as well as banks, which up until about four or five years ago was kind of a, a boring skill set and background to have. But <laughs> recently has I become much, much more in demand as uh, fintech and, and the interest in this space has exploded. Um, so I had that background, kind of that foundational experience. I'd actually tried to leave payments and I worked in the entertainment industry for a little bit of time but ultimately was drawn back and into the fintech sphere, working on another startup um, that I co-founded with my father. And through that company, we got involved in Bitcoin and blockchain and and that whole ecosystem relatively early on. And we're you know lucky enough to kind of see that rise and evolve as it has over the last years. So with that background, kind of combining both the sort of traditional payments experience with you know having been immersed in blockchain and, and Bitcoin at its you know initial rise um, presented an interesting opportunity to take those two experiences and start working uh, kind of on what ultimately became bold. And the original concept was that we could leverage a protocol like a block, blockchain or you know Ripple or Stellar, any of these sorts of digital currency powered technologies to make cross-border business-to-business payments more efficient specifically looking at kind of the settlement and clearing of transactions on a cross-border basis. And so we spent, you know, kind of our initial, uh, you know, life cycle of the company 
going around to banks and bank innovation summits and all sorts of different consulting forums and presenting on the future of banking as powered by digital currencies with this idea that you could create gateways and you could clear transactions more democratically and more efficiently uh, on a cross-border basis. And so that was the original impetus of the company was this idea of creating this union between, you know, B2B disbursements over, you know, blockchain or digital currency rails. Um, and we spent about a year and a half really pursuing that market uh, before ultimately kind of coming to this place where there were kind of two driving forces that helped us push down the path that we are now on today. The first of which was our business, as it were, was predicated on partnering with banks and financial institutions and building technology for them that would plug them into these digital currency settlement rails. And ultimately, while we had great traction engaging in conversations with banks ranging from you know, some of the very smallest to, you know, definitely the very largest on, a, on the global specter. Uh, you know, we realized that these banks were quite interested in learning and perhaps even piloting uh, on top of these technologies. But just given the regulatory climate and the uncertainty around them, we're not in a position to adopt meaningful volume on top of these technologies in the near term. The second was we were in market simultaneously marketing that solution to clients, such companies like an Airbnb or an Uber, these sorts of digital marketplaces. And while they, the concept of a faster, cheaper, more efficient, more democratic settlement rail was appealing to them, they had more pressing issues on their sort of hierarchy of needs, which included just facilitating and just making payments uh, in a scalable and efficient manner. And so that's where just over a year ago, we kind of changed tact and we built out this mass payout disbursement platform um, that we launched in market in July of 2015 and have been excited to have grown since. Wow. Sean, now give us a, a cross section of what you think would be your typical client. How would they be using the product? And let's go down the whole chain of how that would work. So the types of businesses that we target are companies that inherit to their business model or to their business need to make, on a regular basis, large groups of disbursements to independent third parties. And so that's kind of vague. And the reason why it's, it's vague is because that need crosses a number of different business models or business types and verticals. So we have clients today that range in groups, you know, in industries as diverse as marketplaces, on-demand service providers, logistics platforms, affiliate networks, multi-level marketing organizations, fitness studios, um, just very varied types of business models. Genu genu uh, generally, the types of businesses that we target both have that disbursement need, but are also sort of digitally driven and kind of have more of a, a digital first component to their business. And that's where we find a lot of success. Very interesting. So, so do you have, uh, say, a case study of a typical company for, that you could maybe talk about that's utilizing it, maybe um, give a, the audience a feel for how this is working out? Sure. So we've got a, a company, a client that we brought on board relatively recently um, called Convoy, and they're a kind of on-demand logistics platform for booking freight. So effectively, they're facilitating you know, some entity that's got goods that need to be moved to be connected with an independent freight company or trucking organization to move that freight. And they sit in the middle as sort of the facilitator of that 
transaction. And so on the flip side of that, they've got you know thousands of these independent trucking organizations that they need to distribute funds out to on a regular basis. So quite literally daily, um, they're distributing and dispersing payments out to these independent entities. And so they're able to leverage our technology and our platform to completely offload that complexity. So having moved from a complete manual solution prior to engaging with Bold to a completely automated solution whereby they can use our technology to onboard these third parties, collect their tax documents, collect the appropriate paid account information and preferences, and then on an ongoing basis, programmatically through an API, trigger disbursements out to those third parties. Then at the end of the year, once that, that kind of process has been completed, we can automatically uh, facilitate tax compliance by generating appropriate the appropriate tax forms, as well as you know submitting and and filing with the appropriate tax authorities. So uh, typically, what are the endpoints uh, for distribution? Are there a specific endpoints like a, a debit card or an ACH, or does it really vary amongst uh, different industry types? It, it certainly varies, and, and that's part of the strength of what we present our platform as providing to our clients is the fact that we can give them the flexibility of those options without them needing to integrate to those options directly. So the typical client for us is replacing anywhere from three to 10 different integrations um, to get that variety of, of kind of payment options, what we call them. So, you know, the bulk of the payments that we do or that we help facilitate are being delivered to an end bank account as the end point. Um, but we do also provide additional options like paper checks, direct to debit card, prepaid cards, um, cash pickup, PayPal payments, things like that. So, John, um, could you give us a sense for the size or the progress you guys have made so far in terms of whatever unit you guys would like to convey, whether it's uh, revenue or amount of money you've raised or the amount of employees you have or customers or however you guys kind of convey the <clears throat> traction you've gotten so, so far? Sure. Yep. So we launched the market in July of 2015. There are a couple of interesting things that we think about as we kind of measure the success of our business. One is the average size of our clients. And in our particular business, what's unique about that is we don't look at the size of the company itself, but rather the, the group of recipients, as we call them, or payees that they are distributing funds out to. So when we initially launched last year, our target client was an on-demand marketplace operator that was paying out anywhere from 300 to 500 recipients or independent contractors. As it stands today, our average client that we've earned in the last couple of months and, and that comprises this line is paying anywhere from three to 5,000 independent recipients or payees. Um, and that's a testament to the fact that we're targeting larger businesses across a more diverse business segment. Um, and so that's kind of one important metric for us is the number of recipients that our clients are paying. The other is um, to kind of address two of the, the points that you made is we're actually really proud of the fact that this is a high-scale business. And so while our team today is 10 full-time, we're able to serve a client base into the hundreds um, using that team. And that's a testament of, you know, kind of the back-end automation and the efficiency that can be gained when you focus on building a disbursement platform as your business. Wow. You know, the, the biggest thing I've learned about, I've been in payments 
unfortunately, over 35 years. And it, and the thing that I found always interesting, probably ran into your dad back in the early days if he uh, was in Southern California selling payments, but, and maybe even you. But um, the thing I find really interesting is the distribution models that some tech companies have made in payments, assuming that a 100% uh, self-service sales model is the end-all and be-all. Ha- have you experienced that, or are you seeing a more old-fashioned approach to this? No, certainly. And I think we've made a huge push to be the leader when it comes to self-service disbursements. So the alternative for us, and and part of the reason why this vacuum exists in the market that allows us to create this business is, you know, the the primary alternative to working with Bold is working directly with a bank. And as I think the three of you are particularly familiar with, it's not easy to work with banks. And so what ends up happening is you've got got a client or company that's reached some level of and they're moving away from processing things manually, say through a PayPal or a Venmo or you know even paper checks out of QuickBooks, to wanting to automate that in some fashion. The learning curve that they now need to climb in order to work with a bank is very steep. So they've got to solve regulatory challenges, compliance challenges, business development, relationship building challenges. Then they've got to integrate into these sort of old-fashioned batch-based systems in order to work with a bank and the really ironic thing about that is banks effectively force these companies to integrate into a universal protocol that then makes the bank a commodity. So once you've integrated into Nacha or you've integrated to X12, anything like that, you can easily switch from bank to bank to bank without much difficulty, which is just kind of ironic about the way that they work. But aside from that, that's interesting. You know, there is this gap that exists in the market, and that's a really easy place for us to win customers that almost entirely in a self-service model because now, you know, against this alternative of taking, let's say, six months to get a program in place, you know, a company can find Bold, create an account in five minutes and start processing payments immediately. Um, And so it is a really attractive proposition in that sort of self-service model uh, where we're able to win clients that way. And ultimately, I think that's indicative of the fact that we sell to pain, like we're selling against direct pain points, uh, which is really easy to do in a sort of inbound, content-driven, self-service model, um, as opposed to kind of the sort of spray-and-pray approach of you know, outbound, prospecting, cold calling, things like that. Absolutely. Now, uh, the, the next thing I, I, I'm really interested in, you kind of touched upon it, is, is uh, API access. Uh, obviously, QuickBooks for small and medium-sized business is the de facto standard. Have you looked at or do you have APIs that allow for instant uh, communication between Bold and QuickBooks? We're looking at that. Um, you know, we take a very client-driven approach to our product and feature development. And so, you know, kind of automated account our automated accounting system syncing is certainly something that we've had on our roadmap for a while. What's interesting about that is you can get about 80% of that value with about 20% of the work, just providing simple CSV exports. And the last 20% of the value is an additional 80% of work when it comes to mapping to the individual chart of accounts that each client might have and things like that. So because of that, it's actually been much better ROI for us to provide a more universal type export than to actually completely automate the accounting system syncing, though that's certainly a place that we'd like to go to. I, I would I would champion it. I, I've um, I've watched the QuickBooks phenomenon throughout my entire career, and I've studied it intently on on just how 
pervasive it's become. And I've used it as an example for Mike about uh, people claiming data visualization is going to take over the world since um, the fact is data visualization is the least used aspect of QuickBooks. The reason why I bring it up is a lot of accounting offices live inside of QuickBooks. And in any business-to-business selling model, uh, especially for a financial service product, you have really more than five customers you need to sell to. And, uh, you know, a lot of startups tend to sell to the technology customer first. And that is good in an early phase of startup. But unfortunately, uh, later on, and as you expand into deeper and wider markets, actually the more profitable markets, you're not selling, in fact, to a, uh, a technology savvy individual. You're selling to a financial, uh, you know, maybe an accounting individual. In fact, one of the secrets of QuickBooks was the reason why it took off so radically. It it originally didn't, was QuickBooks developed a model of selling the idea not to businesses, but to accountants. And I was around in that era and saw how they seeded uh, early copies of um, version two of QuickBooks with accountants for free. They literally would give an accountant maybe 500 copies of QuickBooks to give to their clients. From the accountant standpoint, it was a no-brainer because at the end of the year, they press a button and the accountant can generate the tax form. So they sold it as an anti-pain point to accountants who then sold it to businesses. And that is still a secret today. So I've revealed kind of a big thing. I'd want to share that with you because uh, in dealing with businesses for so long, especially medium-sized businesses in this uh, vernacular, so many opportunities uh, for this type of product, especially if it had integrations like that and a few other things. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I completely agree. And I, I certainly appreciate the, the kind of insight and the feedback. I think that, you know, there's a product somewhat in this space that I have a lot of respect for, which is Bill.com. And I think one of the strongest features of Bill.com is the fact that, you know, they're able to take the activity that occurs with inside that system and automatically push and sync and sell that with, you know, QuickBooks or whatever your accounting system might be. So I can certainly see the, the and, you know, both to the end client as well as a distribution tech. Yeah, Brian, that was a, that's a really interesting point. Sean, the one thing I want to ask too is where uh, where do you want to take this? I mean, what's the what's the grand vision for this for people listening out there? We have, you know, other founders, other uh, you know, really high t- highly talented um, folks that are always looking for a great opportunity to join investors. I mean, where where do you where do you want to take the business? And then what what would you like to share with people listening in terms of what you're looking for today? Sure. So I guess, you know, to, to touch on that latter point, we're always looking for hungry, smart people that, you know, want to join an early stage startup, you know, for the opportunity to learn and, and to have a great impact on, you know, this particular market. I was going to say, have you guys raised money as well? We have. We have. So we've raised to date uh, just over $4 million and that's kind of a seed round and um, we'll continue to, to raise money as the business warrants it. And so ultimately where I see this business going, I, I think there are kind of two interesting things that we can hopefully accomplish. Um, one is this concept of owning and reinvigorating corporate treasury functions. So effectively what we do today is a subset of corporate treasury, but ultimately if we're successful, we can start to earn away the business that today would flow through you know, a Citibank commercial treasury product or Bank of America or Wells Fargo or chase or or some things like that. The grander kind of long-term vision is best expressed in terms of the issue that exists in the market today, 
which is if you're an entity like Airbnb and you're a broad global marketplace, you have two sides to that marketplace. On the one side, you're accepting funds from your guests. On the other side, you're distributing funds out to the hosts. On the cash acceptance side or the, the money inside, so to speak, that problem is actually relatively solved because we have global networks like Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover. And on top of those global networks, you have great ISOs and technology players like Stripe and Adyen and WorldPay and these sorts of entities. The bulk of the difficulty that Airbnb has, as an example, in managing their payments product is on the disbursement side because there doesn't exist an analogous global disbursement uh, network of the likes of a Visa or a MasterCard. And ultimately, I think the path that we're going down today, while kind of providing this sort of corporate treasury as a service tool, is in aggregating and creating this sort of network of networks, uh, so to speak, where we're plugging into those capabilities on a global scale, such that our end clients don't have to. And I think that's that's a pretty exciting opportunity to create this global network to facilitate business disbursements. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. I like the analogy of Airbnb. It just I love really paints the picture of yeah. the struggle, right? Because we can all relate to Visa, Mastercard. But I'm thinking, if I had to get paid, you know, there's not really a brand or there's not really one company to help us do that. Um, interesting, Brian. Any other thoughts? I mean, this has been this has been a really uh, great introductory call. I'm sure, um, Sean. Hopefully, you'll see a, a bump in traffic or you know find find some key folks. We'll do our best to share this. And, uh, you know, always feel free to reach out, consider us friends, and we'll help promote your stuff. And, uh, yeah, really enjoyed having you on today, Sean. Yeah, I think, Sean, you have a, a wonderful concept, a great company. Um, I, I look forward to helping you in any way possible. And um, I think um, I think you've uh, really tied into a, a market that is relatively new, even though it's existed since the beginning of time. It's relatively new in the way uh, it's being uh, displayed in this in this realm. Mm. All right, guys. Thank you again. And Sean, have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.